looking for at the Brandenburg Gate. Perhaps confirmation that those parables which I had absorbed and accepted as true were just that. Whatever I expected, what I actually found was a cluster of shabby-looking young men, not German, hawking badges, medallions, hats, bits of uniforms, and other artifacts of the mighty Red Army. It was all junk, cheaply made and shoddy. For a handful of Deutschmarks, I bought a wristwatch emblazoned with the symbol of the Soviet Armored Corps. Within days, it ceased to work. Huddling among the scarred columns, those peddlers, almost certainly off-duty Russian soldiers awaiting redeployment home, constituted a subversive presence. They were loose ends of a story that was supposed to have ended neatly when the Berlin Wall came down. As we hurried off to find warmth and a meal— This disconcerting encounter stuck with me, and I began to entertain this possibility, that the truths I had accumulated over the previous twenty years as a professional soldier, especially truths about the Cold War and U.S. foreign policy, might not be entirely true. By temperament and upbringing, I had always taken comfort in orthodoxy. In a life spent subject to authority, deference had become a deeply ingrained habit— I found assurance in conventional wisdom. Now I started, however hesitantly, to suspect that orthodoxy might be a sham. I began to appreciate that authentic truth is never simple, and that any version of truth handed down from on high, whether by presidents, prime ministers, or archbishops, is inherently suspect. The powerful, I came to see, reveal truth only to the extent that it suits them. Even then, the truths to which they testify come wrapped in a nearly invisible filament of dissembling, deception, and duplicity. The exercise of power necessarily involves manipulation and is antithetical to candor. I came to these obvious points embarrassingly late in life. Nothing is so astonishing in education, the historian Henry Adams once wrote, as the amount of ignorance it accumulates in the form of inert facts. Until that moment I had too often confused education with accumulating and cataloging facts. In Berlin, at the foot of the Brandenburg Gate, I began to realize that I had been a naif. And so at age forty-one I set out in a halting and haphazard fashion to acquire a genuine education. Twenty years later I've made only modest progress. This book provides an accounting of what I have learned thus far. In October 1990, I'd gotten a preliminary hint that something might be amiss in my prior education. On October 3rd, Communist East Germany, formerly the German Democratic Republic, GDR, ceased to exist, and German reunification was officially secured. That very week, I accompanied a group of American military officers to the city of Jena in what had been the GDR. Our purpose was self-consciously educational— to study the famous battle of Jena-Auerstadt, in which Napoleon Bonaparte and his marshals had inflicted an epic defeat on Prussian forces commanded by the Duke of Brunswick. The outcome of that 1806 battle inspired the philosopher Hegel, then residing in Jena, to declare that the end of history was at hand. The conclusion of the Cold War had only recently elicited a similarly exuberant judgment from the American scholar Francis Fukuyama. On this trip, we did learn a lot about the conduct of that battle, although mainly inert facts possessing little real educational value.
Inadvertently, we also gained insight into the reality of life on the far side of what Americans had habitually called the Iron Curtain, known in U.S. military vernacular as the Trace. In this regard, the trip proved nothing less than revelatory. The educational content of this excursion would, for me, be difficult to exaggerate. As soon as our bus crossed the old inner German border, we entered a time warp. For U.S. troops garrisoned throughout Bavaria and Hesse, West Germany had for decades served as a sort of theme park, a giant Epcot filled with quaint villages, stunning scenery, and superb highways, along with ample supplies of quite decent food, excellent beer, and accommodating women. Now we found ourselves face to face with an altogether different Germany. Although commonly depicted as the most advanced and successful component of the Soviet Empire,